What is up, everybody? It is Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and Aftershocks TV. And before we get to this next episode, just wanted to remind you, I have this book out there, Cause and Effect Turbo. It is about the Judas Priest release Turbo from 1986. Tells a lot of fun stories about that time, that time in my life, that time with the band. It's a cool, short, quick read. It is available now on Amazon.com or on my website, ChrisAikenBooks.com. So make sure you get it. Get it today. Don't hesitate, all right? All right, enough of me selling my shit. Here's something I don't have to sell. This next episode that you came here to see. That was The Great White featuring Sean McNabb on bass guitar. And uh, Sean McNabb joining us here on... uh, Wendell King live. <laughs> Sean McNabb, hello. What's up, brothers? Good to see you guys. Been a minute. <laughs> Wendell King live. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, Sean? How you been, brother? I'm very good. And, you know, I, I have to correct you because I am actually not on that track, Wendell King live. That is Dave Spitz <laughs> on Let It Rock, uh, the Let It Rock record. I just joined for the tour on that record, but uh, massive respect for uh, Dave Spitz, man. Cool, cool, man. Well, Sean, um, you are um, you are in the news these days. I um, I reached out to you because I saw that you had a uh, a new song that you released, kind of, you know, at, at least for me, kind of out of nowhere. You know, I I hadn't heard that you were working on something. All I've heard lately is that you've been, you know, working on your acting and then all of a sudden you came with a song. So talk a little bit about the, um, you know, how the song came together and, and what it's for and all that stuff. Uh, you know, I've always been a, a blues guy and super passionate about that. Uh, I grew up in uh, the Midwest and near Chicago, you know, and uh, always heard about uh, the Kingston Mines and Legends and, and uh, you know, Buddy Guy's Place and all that stuff. Uh, always gravitated towards it. Um, I always felt like my voice was suited towards that. Okay. Uh, the most, you know, um, and that particular song, Born Under a Bad Sign, out the great Albert King, you know, uh, for me, I just wanted to do it. I'm big on tradition, Chris. Right. So to do it, you know, traditionally and not change, you know, how people do covers sometimes and they change it up and try to make it something that it isn't, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I love horns, and I wanted to bring that all together and just do a really badass track. And uh, I think we achieved that. I surrounded myself with greatness, uh, with all the other players and everything. We can get to that if, if you got time for that. Sure. Who, who t- tell us who's on it. Oh, man. Uh, so Gilby Clark, my good buddy and motorcycle riding pal, uh, he, he recorded it and mixed it for me and sang a little bit on it. Uh, we've got Toshi Inagi from the Jimmy Kimmel band playing guitar. Also okay. did initial, uh, also did some recording on it. Uh, uh, we've got Cleto Escobedo, who's the band leader from the Jimmy Kimmel band playing sax. I uh, got Ted Z from Alice Cooper and a million other Billy Bob Thornton and a million. Sure. Uh, and Lenny Roberto on drums. So I really surrounded myself with some cats because it took a certain feel to get that track down. Now, Sean, would you say this new song is hummable? Hummable? Hummable. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that. I, 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 my wife's walking around the house humming it. And, 
leave it at that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, well, Sean, uh, I know that, uh, you know, obviously you, you're always branching out to do other things and, and, you know, you've had some opportunities to get into a little bit of acting here and there. So are you currently working in this COVID environment, doing anything in the, uh, you know, video or film industry at the moment? I am. Uh, I'm always grinding. I'm a member of the Anthony Gilardi acting studio and, uh, we have been on zoom uh, doing plays and scenes and monologues, this whole entire COVID thing. So, you know, that's been a challenge in itself, but uh, I'm working with a lot of really talented actors uh, on a weekly basis. And, you know, we're, we're on our grind. We're over there uh, just working out is what they say. For me, I've, I feel like I've got to be doing it all the time or it starts to feel rusty. Kind of like the music thing, you know, you put down the base for a month or two and it feels rusty. So I, I'm trying to do it all the time. Well, what do you like better? Do you like doing the, the music thing, live performing, or do you, do you, is your heart into acting now? Would you prefer getting off into the more acting role or if, if you could find a steady gig or, you know, uh, what do you enjoy m more? Well, you know, I think they're, they're both very, very similar, uh, you know, and, and for a long time I tried to separate the two. But they're both very, very similar. Uh, I've been on stage, you know, uh, most of my life. I was actually an actor before uh, music took over um, in the church and in, in drama classes and, you know, plays and stuff in school. And then when rock and roll took over, I got away from it uh, for many years, you know, doing the rock thing. Um, let me put it this way. I'm always going to rock and I'm always going to play music uh, no matter what it is. It's part of my core, my being and who I am. But um, acting is another creative outlet for me to uh, show some of the other skills that I have. And when they both come together, it's a pretty cool thing. I agree, Sean. When you come together, it's always a good thing. <laughs> 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 well, well, Sean, I, I was telling you off air that I stumbled across some of your acting very inadvertently now. And, and, you know, obviously because I know you, I do sort of follow, you know, and, and you were on one of my top three shows of all time, obviously with sons of anarchy, which I've told you before. And I loved that you, you know, that you cameoed on Mayans as well. Cause that was very cool. And, and you were cool about keeping it quiet too, which was, which was kind of weird that, I didn't even know about it. And all of a sudden there you were on my screen, which was cool. <laughs> but, but I got to tell you, I, uh, maybe two, three, maybe even four, six, you know, the, the COVID has made time kind of really goofy, but I, I was watching, I, I, I do nothing but watch TV these days. And I'm a huge fan of uh, Mark Margolis from um, better call Saul and from um, obviously breaking bad. Mm -hmm. So I, I was watching uh, a movie called, um, what is it called? A Remarkable Life. Yeah. And, and I'm watching this movie and, you know, and, and, and it's got a cool plot to it and whatever. And then who comes riding up as the badass biker, but Sean McNabb. And I was like, holy shit, <laughs> there's Sean on the screen, man. And so talk a little bit about that one, man, because there's a lot of, lot of, not, not that anybody's not a good actor, but I mean, there's a lot of notable actors and actresses in that in that film. Yeah, there was great talent in that movie. Um, it was it was really cool. They actually wrote that part for me. Um, it was a character called Fang. Right. Was the boyfriend of uh, Marie Avdragopoulos, 
who's she's been on the hundred. Uh, you ever watch the show The Hundred? I, I think they've gone like six or seven seasons. So she's she's a big star now. But uh, I played her boyfriend, uh, musician guy. Uh, it was funny because I was we shot that in Colorado several years ago, and I was flying back and doing Suns at the same time. So it was it was a pretty cool time. Super busy, and uh, you know, of course, Suns was such a great thing to be a part of, and uh, you know, I was just kind of around a lot on that, and I learned a lot, and I got to be around some of the the best actors in the world uh, on a daily basis, and it was it was a really uh, it was a really good time for me to learn, and um, man, what a cool thing to be a part of, and we got to ride our bikes, and right, you know, do all that stuff. So uh, yeah, but. Uh, Chris Bruno, actually, um, he's the lead in uh, Remarkable Life. And we had this great fight scene, Aiken, man. It was, it was <laughs> on. It was off. And I even, I think I hit my head on the back of a, of a, a camera barn door or something. Cut my head and stuff during the fight scene. They ended up cutting the fight scene down so much. Where, you know, we trained real hard for that, too. Right. So we were both kind of like, man, what happened to the fight scene? <laughs> but that's the way it goes sometimes. You know? Sure. Well, yeah. well, where where would you consider yourself as an actor? And I and I know there's no real you know scale other than other than like the Denzel Washingtons and Robert De Niro's or everybody else. But I but I think there are definitely you know levels of notoriety that that people achieve. Where would you put yourself as an actor? Do you think you're kind of reaching into that same ground as, you know, maybe some of the the middle people that are sort of notable, but, you know, maybe not, you know, 20 million a year guys? Or where, where would you put yourself? Well, I'm certainly not in that class. Those guys are in a class by themselves. And I've met both of those guys, actually. Oh, wow. Good people down to earth. And um, I, I would just, you know, my... Uh, I just want to do good work and be a working actor, you know, and I think at my age and, you know, uh, where I'm kind of coming in to that's going to, that's achievable. Um, I believe it, you know, you have to believe it first. Sure. And Aiken and Wendell, I'm going to tell you, man, that's a cutthroat business. <laughs> right. <laughs> you think the music business is, uh, is harsh and hard and stuff. Uh, the, uh, the film and TV thing is, it's uh, it's not for everybody, you know. You gotta have a very thick skin. You hear no a lot. We audition all the time, and you think, man, I poured my heart and soul into that one, and you hear nothing. So, it's not for everybody, you know. It, it can really uh, mess with your head if you're not uh, able to handle that kind of sure. stuff and rejection. So, no doubt. Now, is there a difference, Sean? And and this is, you know, as somebody that has never acted before, so I don't know. But is there a difference in you know, approach or how you, how you audition and whatnot between TV and, and film. Cause it almost, or, and movies, because it almost seems like you kind of have to have a different dynamic between television where everything is so immediate, you know, everything is, everything's little 10, 10 to 30 second clips before you change scenes versus a movie, which might take 10 minutes to set up things. So as an actor that goes into a part, do you find that you have to, you have to know how to do it two different ways in order to get parts for TV versus movies? Well, you have to know what, there's so many different ways to do it. Um, depending on the network 
or you know, like you said, if it's TV or film, you know, TV's like it moves super fast. You know, sure. move this story along. You know, and uh, mostly it's guest star stuff that you know I audition for and stuff like that. So you're just there to move the story along for the main characters. You know, and uh, you always got to know your role. Um, you know, auditioning for Disney and Fox are like two completely different things. Or you know what I mean? There, you got to know what you're auditioning for. Uh, there's certain things that you just have to execute depending on what it is. You know, and uh, usually the information's all there for you. You just got to dig deep. Okay. Well, what do you, what do you enjoy more? Do you enjoy the television? thing uh you know a series type thing or do you would you prefer to be in movies more and do you look at yourself you know do you do you ever envision yourself as a main role or main lead or are you happy being like a, a support or character actor no i don't think there's any reason why i can't be a lead uh my acting coach goes dude you are a leading man you know and uh and i from his lips to god's ears man you know um but, you know, you've got to come up, you, you come up supporting, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, we, we all kind of started it in the background, you know, and you just start working your way up and you develop some tape and you study. And yeah, I don't think people realize the work that really goes into it. You know, you don't just memorize your lines and show up and execute you know, and, and rifle them. You know, there's, there's so much. Uh, you know, backstory and, and character thoughts and the arcs and, you know, um, your moment before your moment after there's, it's unbelievable the stuff that people don't know that goes into this craft. And, uh, and I, I'm just really fortunate to be at a studio where we can, uh, work on that every week and just, just keep developing and keep getting, uh, to be better storytellers, you know, and that's really what it's all about. Are, are you familiar with the uh, Netflix series, the Comiskey uh, Method? Have you seen that with I Michael think Douglas? I'm on there, and I'm a big Michael Douglas fan. And uh, who's the other guy? I'm a big fan of his too. Uh, Arden. Yeah. Uh, what is what is his name? Some Arden. Um, um I don't know. Anyway. A, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have not watched the show, so. Um, I will check it out. Well, the reason I was asking is because obviously if you don't know anything about the show, he's, he's basically a, a actor who opened up his own teaching studio to teach, you know, Oh, you're acting. thinking Barry, aren't you? A Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. Who you, who you probably worked with on sons, didn't you? I saw Arkin on set. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, Arkin. I, I didn't get to talk to him too much. I think he was directing as well. Okay. Yeah. But uh, anyway, go ahead. Wendell. Well, the, 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 the reason I asked, but since you haven't seen the show, I was going to ask if, if, you know, you were involved in a kind of uh, acting classes, if, if, you know, the, the series depicted that, that method as something you've experienced or how, how close to home is that for you? But since you haven't seen it, it might not make any sense. Well, there's another show like that called Barry, which I absolutely oh, yeah. love. You know, I love that show on, on H HBO, right? Yeah. Great. And uh, Henry Winkler plays the acting coach. Right. And, uh, I got I to gotta be honest. That's a little far-fetched. And I think he'd be the first one to tell you that. But boy, he, he, 
he's so he shines in so many other ways, you know, in that series. It, it's just great. And he's always going to be the Fonz to me, but you know, right. <laughs> are, are you trying to tell us, Sean, are you trying to tell us that you're an actor slash murder for hire killer? Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> hey, uh, I'm going to make that a layered character, uh, but yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, character. sure. Well, Sean, um, I I saw that you um that you're doing a uh, a movie called The Locker. What's that? What's that one about? It looks like you're you're more of a of a lead character in this than most of the other stuff that you've done. No. Yeah, I'm playing a a cartel guy in that. Actually, um, it's a friend of mine, Ted Nolte, wrote this book, and uh, he cast me as uh, uh, one of the cartel guys. It's a pretty big part. Know, we're hoping that they find the money to get that one done you know that's really what it comes down to in a lot of these independent films is uh you know somebody's got a book or a script and uh it's all about finding the funding to make it happen you know and uh i really hope they make that one because it's a great story and a great script you know uh we'll see sure yeah and well, go ahead no you go ahead well, the other one I wanted to ask you about is I'm not sure if it's out yet. I just read that you were in it. Um, the uh, the Leonard the Leonard Skinner book, um, Street Survivors. That is is that made and is that out already or is that that's out on Amazon Prime? Okay. And, uh, my my friend uh, Jared Cohn directed it and wrote it, and uh, that was uh, produced by Brian. Uh, Pereira at Cleopatra Records, who also my single is on Cleopatra Records. Sure. Uh, Brian just did a great job with that. Um, I play Aerosmith's manager in the 70s. And, uh, you know, it was a small but pivotal role. You know, uh, if, if uh, you know, uh, Skinner had got, I mean, if Aerosmith would gotten on that plane, Instead of Skinner, we'd be telling a completely different story. So it was kind of a pivotal role in the movie. And I was very happy to have that part. A lot of fun. I had big old mutton chops aching. <laughs> but yeah, check that out on Amazon Prime. Okay. Yeah, I played David Krebs, who was the manager of Aerosmith in the 70s. Cool, cool. Now, now that was, that was uh, the story that uh, Artemis Pyle was trying to, uh, you know, parlay into movie is that true or not true uh well actually this that whole movie is artemis's story right that's what i that's what i meant yeah and i know he had a hard time getting that past the uh the leonard skinner uh you know hierarchy i knew that they were kind of blocking his way from being able to release that and all that because you know I, for whatever reason they didn't want him capitalizing on the leonard skinner name even though he was you know obviously a part of integral part of the band Yes, that went uh, through several lawsuits, and uh, Brian at uh, Cleopatra was finally able to make that happen. I, I think he appealed it maybe two or three times, and at least twice, and they made it happen. And you know what was really cool about that is I got to know Artemis a little bit, and he, he's a great guy. And, uh, you know, he'd be telling that story in, in the uh, movie. It would cut to him almost like documentary style, and he'd tell a story about it. And it, I, if you watch that, the hair will stand up on your arms, you know, about what led up to that. And uh, just a fascinating story. Well, he was he was pissed off at us one time. He sent us a nasty uh, note <laughs> one time. <laughs> did he? He did. What, about what? 
Well, we were kind of talking about the uh, charges that were leveled against him for the child molestation. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I want to know. No, you don't want to. <laughs> and, and we were we were discussing it, not as firsthand, uh, you know, had the info. We were more or less covering a story, and and he was he was you know kind of ticked off that we weren't talking about it. And he goes, you know. You guys are talking about something you don't know anything about. And, you know, I'm going to come on there and I'm going to clear the air. And we're, we were just like, doors open, come on on. And then we never heard from him. Yeah, they didn't want to, but, you know, it happens. But I well, went out well, as band, man. I got to say, it was, it was really, really good. Sure. I left there just going, wow, man. That's the whole reason I wanted to play music is gigs like that. You know, it was pretty darn good. Pretty damn good. I can cuss on. Yeah, you, can, you, you can cuss there, Sean. Well, Sean, I want to ask you, you know, being that you're a journeyman musician and obviously we've known each other for quite a few, few years and you've played with a lot of great players, you know, a couple of the, my, you know, my favorite guitarist is uh, obviously George Lynch, who you've played with him in his Lynch mob lineups and you've played with um, uh, Doug Aldrich, obviously in Burning Rain and, You've shared the stage and played with uh, our good friend, John Levin and oh, yeah. whatnot. And, you know, the, these guys are, you know, in my opinion, some of the best players out there when it comes to the hard rock, melodic, hard rock, metal, whatever you want to classify it as. Um, when when you play with like a George Lynch or, or a Doug, Doug Aldrich, which are, you know, great players in their own right, uh, give me a critique on on John Levin uh, Doug Aldridge and, and George Lynch as far as like playing with them or, or having that opportunity? Well, first of all, I can't critique any of those guys because they're all so great and they're all different in their own way and that's why they're special. Um, don't forget about, I've been really lucky, Wendell and Chris, uh, Ronnie Montrose I played with, Carlos Cavazzo, you know, uh, I've, I've played with some really great guitar players. Um, let's start with George. George is that guy that's in the conversation with Eddie Van Halen, Steve Vai, you know, he's in that conversation. He's top three, George Lynch. He's right in at top five, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, George, no one can do what George does. He's got his own thing. And uh, I, I've never heard anybody, you know, those harmonic squeals that only he does. It's special. And, you know, um, I worked with George. I started with him in 2002, did a tour. And then I, this last time I did eight years with him. So I've, I've, I've trudged a lot of miles with George. And um, what you do is, I call, I say this has created a job for me. Uh, I lay it down for the big guitar heroes. So they got something to play over. You know what I mean? Try to make every, that's my job as bass players, try to make everybody else look good um, all night long. You just keep it fat and solid, especially for those guitar heroes. And then maybe for a short little burst, you show a couple licks, you know, a little solo thing, then you go right back to laying it down. And that's just what you do, you know, keep that groove fat and keep those songs fat. Uh, John Levin, wonderful guitar player, just so good. And uh, those guys, you know, uh, they're, they're the same, but they're completely different. You know, uh, John comes from a different uh, thing than George did. 
equally as great. Uh, I spent a lot of years playing those Dawkins songs with John, and John really had it nailed. And um, Doug Aldridge, come on, you know, Doug is Doug is right there in that conversation with uh, all the top five guys. You know, a little more modern, but I go all the way back to um, God. What was that? Song? What was the band uh, after Lion that uh, I did a tour with them? No, it was before Burning Rain. Um, mm -hmm. Bad Moon Rising. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in Bad Moon Rising uh, for a tour with Cal and Doug, and that was my first experience working with him. And he, and he was great back then. So, you know, just fast forward, what, 30 years or something like that. He is just insane now. He's been jumping on his bike and riding with Gilby and I, and uh, we got this group called the the Hollywood Riders. <laughs> And uh, he's been uh, coming along with us, and we're having some great hangs. And you know, uh, Doug's Doug's something special on the guitar. That Dead Daisies thing they're doing with Glenn is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. It, I'm gonna I'm gonna play "What If" with you because I'm I'm just curious curious what you think here. All right. If you could have been in one band instead of you know so many bands. That that was that was a, a big band, but not Aerosmith level big, but a band that was, we'll say second tier, but is but lasted for thirty years. Would you have rather done that or been or had the career that you've had, which has allowed you to find your chops in acting as well? Because you know, my thought is is that if you were in a if you were in a you know, a, a band that has lasted for 30 years, but never achieved the super superstardom that you would, you still wouldn't have been able to go and act, you know, where my, my, and this could be a false impression, but my impression when I see you on social media, when, you know, when you and I message back and forth occasionally and whatnot, is that you, you seem to really love to act and it oh, yeah. almost, almost like it would be a lost thing. If, if you would have achieved a level of success where you might've missed what might be your, your, at least your emotional calling. Uh, I don't think I would have, I think, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something. Um, when I got sober 16 years ago, I was like, you know, there's some things that I really want to do besides play heavy metal music and I, you know, or rock and roll. And I'm always going to play rock and roll, man. I love it. But, you know, there were some other things I wanted to do too, you know, and that was, uh, you know, be, be a better family man, have a better relationship with my daughter, uh, you know, get married. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of things. Acting was one of those things too, that uh, I'm like, you know, now that I kind of got my head screwed on straight, I'd really like to go back and, and revisit that and start studying again and, and, you know, see where that could go, you know? And that's been about, that's been 15, 16 years now that I've been working on that. So here, I always say this, I go, you know, if I ever book a series, you know, which I, I don't want to say if, when I book a series, I will be an overnight sensation that took 16, 20 years in the making. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> And that's really what it takes, Aiken. You know, you just got to stay vigilant, stay working. And uh, I'll tell you another quick story if you got a second. Sure. Um, I was at one-on-one -on -one studios when uh, I used to be really good friends with Mike Starr from Allison Chains. Okay. And uh, I went over to one-on-one -on -one studios. He goes, yeah, we're over here. We're cutting a record. And they were cutting dirt. 
and uh, he goes, can you bring over your Spectre just so I can see what it sounds like? I got some new ones over here, but I know you got that old one. So I brought it over. It's one I've basically done every record that I've ever done with. It's a wooden old Spectre bass. And uh, I go, of course I can, man. So I came over and uh, we started messing around. At the time, we, we were listening to it to uh, Infectious Grooves and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Robert Trujillo. And mm -hmm. you know, we were doing that a little bit of that thumb thing and everything. Uh, so we're messing around. And we start playing with the amps and stuff <laughs> and uh, to get the funk tone and everything, right? And uh, Dave Jordan comes in and goes, did you guys touch the EQ on that amp? Yells at us. <laughs> you know, because they're doing the record. And, you, right. know, <laughs> you know, it was a big no-no. We just kind of lost our minds for a second and got into what we were doing. But, um, you know... That, that bass ended up, it's on a few tracks on Dirt, which is one of my favorite records. Sure. And uh, I was also thinking, you know, God God bless him. He was such a beautiful soul and he's gone. That, uh, you know, um, when they fired him or whatever happened, you know, that could have been a different story. Sure. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. that would have uh, been a different path for me. And, and I love that band, you know, but uh, sure. the main thing is, is, uh, um, you know, you just, you just never know where things are going to go, you know, mm -hmm. and you kind of just got to flow with the river sometimes, you know? Right. All right, Sean. Well, here's the big reveal. What's the reveal? Winner? Are you actually a musician or have you been acting like one for the, for the last 30 years? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, man! I, I'm a definite musician, and uh, it, it's in my blood. Um, you know, I shouldn't say that it wasn't in my blood because really nobody played in my family. You know, I, I just worked with guys that were a lot better than me. Um, my brother was a drummer. Uh, one of his guys in his jazz band turned me on to Hendrix and Pink Floyd and and um, ELP and stuff like that. And then the very a few years later, Van Halen came out, you know, and just changed everybody's world. And we, we dove into those. I was a big Aerosmith fan. Uh, we dove into those Van Halen albums. And uh, it was pretty cool because, guys, this last week, you know, they revealed that mural that my friend Robert Vargas did, the artist. Sure. I saw that on my social. But, uh, you know, big drop. And it was just so cool, man. And, and uh I, I, I'm one of the guys that actually turned down Eddie Van Halen on a gig. <laughs> you know, you know, I don't know if you knew that, but there was no. called Private Life. It was Danny Johnson, Chris, Chris Frazier, um, and a couple uh, really cute girls were in the band, too. Kelly. I, I, I can't remember exactly. but uh, So I went down an audition, and Van Halen couldn't have been nicer. And uh, he offered me the gig. He goes, hey, man. I think this is great. I think it's going to work out. Would you want the gig in private life? And I turned him down because we had our own record deal at the time. And uh, like I said, you know, that could have been one of those flow with the river things. But uh, Eddie was nothing but gracious and cool. And he, he wrote all his phone numbers down on this napkin. He goes, if I could ever do anything for you, man, here. And, you know, fast forward to the last time I saw you guys, 
we were opening for Van Halen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wisconsin, right? 2013, believe it or not. Wow. Has it been that long now? It's been that long. Jeez. Uh, real quick there, Sean, I don't think I've ever asked you about this, but, uh, you know, Mitch Perry, who you've also played with, you were in a band with him. Uh, what was it like the Mitch Perry project or what was it called? Well, we had bad boys and we also had the Mitch, Mitch Perry project. Yeah. So, so th there was, uh, you know, there was, there's a CD out, which I, I love it because it, it, you know, uh, it was kind of like the Mitch Perry songs that, uh, during the time that he was trying to get signed or you guys were trying to get signed as seven percent solution okay. and bad boys and so on and so forth. You know, obviously you were involved with that and our good friend, Ralph Sains, who went on to big success with steel Panther, he was involved with that at some point and, you know, yeah. so on and so forth. What, what can you tell me about the, uh, Mitch Perry years being involved in trying to get a deal? Well, Mitch Perry is another fantastic guitar player. Um, no question, you know, he's played with everybody and, and uh, he's so talented that, you know, of course, you know why he, he's just so great. Um, that was, I'm not sure what you're talking about. He had a solo album that was like an instrumental thing. And then we had something that had a bunch of other tracks, but he was actually in Bad Boys, I think. And that was the band that had a deal when I turned down Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> mm. So, um, and I think he's got a new record out on his own right now. And I, I'm real happy for him. You know, he's, he seems to be pretty stoked on it. And, uh, you know, we, we played together for many, many years and had a lot of fun. So, so were you, you guys obviously were trying to, uh, pursue a record contract, right. When you were with playing with him and, you know, it might've been at the point where nobody wanted that, uh, were interested in that style of music as far as signing new bands. Yes. Uh, I think we had an option on Pasha, which was Quiet Riot's label. And uh, for those that don't know, I I did an album with Quiet Riot, and that was my first uh, big national release. Sure. Super young. But we were on Pasha, uh, which was Spencer Proffer's label. And we had an option to for Bad Boys to sign a record deal with those guys. And then Grunge kind of took over, and that was the end of that, you know. But... Uh, yeah, that's what was going on with that. Well, well, here we are full circle 30 years later, and now you've got a new song, you know, uh, this song. We want to uh, play it here for the first time. We want to debut it. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, any of the video or uh, yeah, I can give us a couple up. clips or no? I'll pop a little video up while oh. we're talking about it. Aiken, that's my man right there. Oh, there this we go. like a real biker beard there, Aiken. Yeah, I know. <laughs> or Santa Claus. <laughs> I'm not hearing it, Aiken. Oh, I, I, let me. It's my only friend. I've been on my own ever since I was 10. Born on a bad sign. The 
Thanks, Aiken. There we go. Nice. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, Cleopatra has released that for me. I'm on all the uh, streaming sites. Uh, if you go to YouTube, Cleopatra's YouTube page, it's there. Um, if you ask Alexa to play Sean McNabb, Born Under a Bad Sign on Spotify and a few other, I don't know, Apple Music, it, it all, it'll come right up. And uh, I'm very stoked to have gotten a deal with that on Cleopatra. And uh, we're, getting, we're, we're talking about doing some more. So, Are you talking about more singles? Or are you talking about maybe doing like a full blues album? Or what are you looking at? We're talking about that. You know, um, we're talking about maybe a couple more singles and then we'll see where it goes from there. But I'd love to do a full record and uh, get all my bros on it. And I felt like we nailed this track. So I'd like to have a lot of those guys on the full record, you know? Sure. So what was in the bottle, Sean? It was Coca-Cola. So <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I wasn't going to make it, make it day one again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sean, why don't you throw all those plugs out there where people can find you and look you up and connect with you and all that fun stuff. I, I hope you're not using that communist site web of uh, Facebook anymore. Are you? I am. Oh my I God. Am. Well, you're, you're canceled. You're canceled. <laughs> you know, I, I'm tired of being sold stuff on there. I got to say that. Uh, but no, you can find me there. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Sean McNab at Sean McNabb, LA Twitter, same thing. Um, I've, I think I've got three Facebook pages, but my main page is Sean McNabb and, uh, yeah, check out that YouTube video. Um, if you go to IMDB, you can see some of the film work that I've done. And, uh, like I said, the Skinner thing is on prime, uh, video, right? Uh, Amazon prime. So check that out. Got a couple other big things in the works. Uh, uh we're talking about a, uh, they call it a vodcast which is a pot, you know, kind of what you guys are doing. Okay. But uh, I've been approached to do one and uh, we're looking at some things right now. I'm getting kind of excited about that, I'm trying to figure out the name and everything. But um, yeah, you know, so I might be calling you guys for some tips. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're, of course, dude, you're always welcome to come back on to promote whatever you're doing. So right you on, know, man. doors open, bro. I appreciate that. Wendell, I'm I'm digging the look, man. Well, I'm I'm paying tribute to the to the departed Larry King. Ah, okay. Is that what that is? That's what that is. Okay, nice. <laughs> it's so funny. I saw a shot of me from like I was 20 years old in Quiet Riot or 21 or something, and I had suspenders on, and I didn't even realize it until somebody pointed it out, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> it's a good look, bro. <laughs> It, it was just for this interview, Sean. Just for this interview. Okay. We uh we we had to pay tribute to Larry King, you know, because we're big CNN fans and all, you know, because you know we believe in the Biden administration. So we're MSNBC, CNN guys. All right, let's keep the politics out tonight, please. <laughs> please. You know, uh, he's got those bagel shops, and my wife and I, when I we went in there. And if he wasn't sitting in there one day, one morning, uh, Larry, pretty cool. Really? Yeah. 
Cool, Rest cool. in peace, Mr. King. There you go. <laughs> well, as long as your tunes are hummable, that's all we care about, Sean. <laughs> yeah, you know, maybe uh, somebody will get a Hummer. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sean, it's always good to talk to you. You're welcome back anytime, as always. And uh, we're going we're gonna to end this interview with your new song, uh, Born Under a Bad Sign. And uh, thanks for always being in my corner, man. It means the world to me. Uh, anything you need from me anytime, you just let me know, okay? Cool, cool, man. All right, well, here it is. It's uh, now this is just under your name. Is it just Sean McNabb? It is. All right, all right. Well, let's uh, listen to this tune. This is a bad blues song. This kind of reminds me of something from maybe Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Very cool stuff. And uh, this is Sean's stylings on some blues. It's born under a bad sign exclusively here on your classic metal show. All right. That was a lot of fun, wasn't it? And you know what else is a lot of fun? The CMS podcast network. That's right. CMSPN.com is the address. Make sure you go over there. Make sure you watch the episodes there. You listen to the episodes there and maybe you even just subscribe. So it's delivered to your phone to whatever podcasting software you use. But do it from cmspn.com. Once again, cmspn.com, cmspn.com, cmspn.com. We'll see you next time, fucks.